I couldn't ever conceive of a life where I stayed within my comfort zone. It's, it's too boring and it's too um, secure. It really doesn't matter what age you're at. You can, it, it's just like fitness. You, you can always make incremental progress with anything at any point in life. If you're wheelchair ridden, you can still educate yourself. If you know, you could still find improvements in your diet. There's always room for growth, no matter your circumstance of life. All of these things have such a profound effect on your health. And it's like a domino effect. And as soon as you knock one down, so many other things in your life line up and you just feel a lot better. I, I always like to think from almost like a deathbed mentality looking back, will I be satisfied with the sort of life I led? Body, mind, empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Welcome to the Body, Mind, Empowerment podcast. I'm your host, Seamland, and today our guest is William Schufield. Will is an actor, and he's most known for being the Red Power Ranger on the Power Rangers Ninja Steel TV series. And he's interested in fitness, education, eating keto, and empowering other people as well. So, William, I'm glad to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Um, I was very impressed you said my last name correctly. You're one of the few people. Um, so thank you for that introduction. Yes, I, I'm getting more and more involved in the fitness and nutrition industry. It's something that I've been passionate about for a long time. Oh, to you. I've been watching your videos for probably the, la the last year and a half, and you have fantastic content. You go very in-depth, um, and I love that you cover mindset, health, fitness, and it's, it's really the full spectrum, which I think... That is ultimate health. You know, it's not simply a diet. It's not simply a workout, but you have to cover the body and the mind. Um, so definitely, hats off to you for that. And I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool that you've been watching it for so long. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you that it is a holistic system. Your body and your mind—they're not like separate entities. And your, you know, like your entire life is connected with your physiology, your psychology, your relationships, your environment, your, you know, genes, everything is connected. So yeah, it has to be like a holistic system. But before we get on to that, I want to, you know, talk about you a bit as well. Like, how do you, how do people call you? Is it like just Will or is it Power Ranger or what's, what's, what's your, you know, uh, name in, in the real world? <laughs> Usually, usually Will is great. Uh, Power Ranger works as well, but Will is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice. How did you end up getting that role? Like, what, how, how did you become the Red Power Ranger? So, for me, I, I was actually studying economics at UC San Diego, and I spent three years studying that, and I was, I was very passionate about acting. It was something that I wanted to do for a while, but it didn't seem like a viable career option. Uh, you know, I, I've heard many stories of people going to LA and ending up homeless and broke and all the horror stories of starving artists. So I didn't think it was possible, but I eventually got to a point in my life where I had interned in a number of different areas with consulting and business and accounting where I thought I wanted a career. And having tried those, it wasn't at all what I wanted with my life. I was completely unfulfilled and I had to decide from there on out. I always like to think from almost like a deathbed mentality looking back, will I be satisfied with the sort of life I led? Hmm. So I was looking at it from that perspective and I was thinking, you know, from the deathbed, I think anything seems possible. You, you pretty much could have done anything you want with your life if you're able to apply yourself. So I decided, why not go for the one thing that I'm very passionate about, the one thing that I really want to do and pursue acting. So I had no connections. I had no acting experience. I had never taken an acting class, but I strongly believe in goal setting. And I think that through goal setting, you can basically achieve, you know, almost anything within the realm of possibilities. So I set a goal for myself within one year before I graduated. I wanted to book the starring role in a, uh, in a major TV show. So I set that goal for myself and the, the way I set all of my goals, I take that big goal and I chunk it down into what steps do I need to take to get there. And then from there, that creates my monthly goals, which leads to my weekly goals and my daily goals. So for an entire year, it was 4 a.m. wake ups and it was pretty much working all day. And, you know, I was, this was 
at UC Vegas, I was taking classes. I was going to classes, uh, doing homework. I was working. I was going to auditions. I was also involved in plays at night. I was my website. I was memorizing scripts. It was it was just a, a year of nonstop work. But by the end of that year, I had booked. Um, it's crazy, but it was a very long process. But I had booked the uh, starring role in Power Rangers Ninja Steel. So that to me proved that. I was thinking correctly and that this mindset works and you, you've spoken before about the subconscious mind. Um, but I strongly believe that if you're able to, to see yourself achieving a goal and that looks like a real possibility to you, then that I think belief precedes action. So my belief that that was going to happen, it preceded my action and it allowed me to take, take massive levels, which I think led to the achievement of the goal. But that's essentially how it was done. Um, Obviously, there were a lot of little steps along the way, getting an agency, doing short films, doing independent films, uh, doing music videos, commercials, but um, it's just little things that chipped away at that big goal, and, and then eventually that one happened. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you're right on point in that, like, the subconscious mind is so powerful in the sense of uh, what, what you can conceive with your mind, you can achieve. And um, beliefs, beliefs are definitely critical in the sense of they're going to literally determine how much action you're going to take or how far you're going to push yourself. Like if you don't believe that you can achieve something, then you're, you're simply not going to do it because it's, you think it's impossible. And definitely like overcoming those limiting beliefs and setting yourself these goals. That's one of the biggest things that has helped me as well. So yeah, like you're, 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 you're definitely right in this sense. It definitely... Uh... Uh, it's been a huge launching pad for me to be able to do a number of other things, um, both within the acting world and outside of that. I've also gotten involved in public speaking, um, fitness modeling, things like that. So it's, it's been a great launching pad in terms of that. But as far as the role goes, um, it's, it's very demanding. It, you know, it is a long role. It's a very long shoot. We did 45 episodes, two seasons, And uh, it, it required a lot. We went out to New Zealand and shot. But um, it, it was an adventure. It was honestly a huge adventure. We had a great team around us, fantastic cast, crew, production team. Um, they were great. I love the cast. Uh, we're, all, we're all still very, very close friends. We all hang out. So, um, And outside of that, it's, it's honestly, it was kind of like a dream role for me because I was involved in martial arts from a young age, and I wanted to get into something that would combine action and adventure um, with acting. So with this, the perfect platform to do both of those. Um, and and it, was, it was really a great time. Yeah, mm, yeah. It's, it's, it, it actually kind of... Have you heard of the hero's journey? The, the hero's journey, is that what you said? Yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've heard of that in a couple different circumstances. Mm, yeah, yeah it's, it kind of perfectly uh, describes not only your personal journey, but also like the overall um, myth of, of this hero who goes into a journey and goes into an adventure, faces the unknown challenges, you know, overcomes himself, gets better, and then returns back home with, with uh, some, some uh, wisdom and some, some boons of the world. So definitely like, like it's a good metaphor for overall life as well. And it's definitely found, you know, in different myths across culture, Power Rangers are probably a good example of it to some extent as well. And like Star Wars, um, Gautama Buddha, and this is, you know, Lord of the Rings, they're all like examples of this hero's journey that we all go through as people as well, in, individually. I, I think that that's, I don't know, this is my personal opinion, but I think that's the way life should be lived. Um, you know, I, I couldn't ever conceive of a life where I stayed within my comfort zone. It's It's too boring and it's too um, secure, you know? <laughs> so I, I love the idea of taking the challenges of going out there and of testing yourself because to me at the end of the day, you know, we have so many survival instincts that for the most part, we're probably not going to die if we try to achieve our goals. We're probably going to be okay and we're going to survive. So why not just go for it? You know, in the past, you know, death was a constant fear. You know, you didn't know if you went out on a hunting mission you might die. But nowadays with career, you know, you might go broke, but you're not going to die. No one's going to kill you. You know, you might uh, have to endure the ridicule ends, but that's okay. Nobody's throwing a spear at you. So I figure you might as well go for it. Um, and I definitely love the concept of the hero's journey. I've, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of when I read The Alchemist and Rhonda Byrne had a book called Hero. 
Um, and I, I love that idea of just going out there. You know, there is a lot of unknown, but having a purpose in your mind, having a very, very clear purpose and an unshakable will and going forward. And I think that people can accomplish a lot more than they ever would have expected. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is go to your deathbed. With all of these, all of these things that you could have achieved, but you didn't just because you didn't prioritize your time because you didn't believe that you could, um, you know, you, you lived your whole life for other people. So I, that's, I, I don't want to die with any regret. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I feel like that's one of the things that I feel most fortunate about of having these opportunities and, uh, and also, you know, being so grateful for having made these, so, some sort of realizations so young as well. Like, uh, how old are you about, by the way? 23. 23. Okay. Yeah. I'm also doing 23. So yeah, a lot of people tell me like, yeah, that, that uh, you've, you've kind of made a lot of, you know, these positive changes. You're so young and definitely there's a lot of potential to be still achieved. So, uh, so the same applies to you, to you as well then. Yeah. It's, that's the nice thing. We still got some time on the clock, so we're not, <laughs> we're not necessarily in the uh, last game. But the other thing about that is a lot of people will count themselves out simply because they're older past 40 think well you know goal setting and whatnot that's a young man's game mm. i have a family you know i i have bigger priorities than achieving my goals um and I, I don't necessarily agree with that one of the stories that i love is of colonel sanders who was he was in his 60s and he was collecting social security checks and he was completely disappointed with his accomplishments in life before deciding to go out and to pitch his chicken recipe to you know, dozens of restaurants that all turned him down. So yeah. that sort of story to me shows that it really doesn't matter what age you're at. You can, it, it's just like fitness. You, you can always make incremental progress with anything at any point in life. If you're wheelchair ridden, you can still educate yourself. Um, if you know, you could still find improvements in your diet. There's always room for growth, no matter your circumstance of life. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be all in the same area. So I guess it's more about the growth mentality. It's more about, um, you know, simply not accepting where you are in life because it's like, it's like constant movement and you're either uh, in, in entropy or you're, you know, you're growing. So I, I think it's very, very powerful to keep that in the forefront of our minds as we move forward to continue growing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> although the story of Colin and Sanders is very inspiring of, you know, never quit and never give up, at the same time, yeah. you know, it's, there's some ethical implications of, yeah, <laughs> you have to make sure that you're going to actually spread, you know, the positive message of actually giving people good food, not KFC. So, <laughs> Brian, you think KFC is still open? <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. You do want to be providing value. And yeah. not too much uh, fried and refined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's actually e e even more important for people who are, uh, you know, spreading the message of health and fitness and empowerment to be even more indomitable and to have even more, let's say, consistency and more uh, perseverance to make sure that their ideas of good health are going to persevere in the midst of, you know, these other unhealthy habits. That's, that's absolutely true because I think that the majority of people don't, well, public, like, you know, the science is not being spread to the public well enough. You know, so there, you know, we have our Dr. Oz and we have our TV shows that attempt to uh, disseminate scientific information to the public. But I think YouTube is becoming one of the most powerful platforms because now people are sharing information with each other. Um, and that's one of the fantastic things about your channel is that, you know, you are sharing the scientific information with a number of people and it's things that people want to know about. But they want to know, how do I lose weight? How do I improve my sleep? Um, how do I achieve goals? How do I, you know, improve body condition? They want to know these things. And if you're able to back it with science and, and you honestly, you're fantastic with this because your videos are also very entertaining as well. I don't know where you find all those little clips, but they're, they're hilarious. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a very digestible format for the, the general view. So um, I think we definitely do have to keep up with that mission. Yeah, like uh, I like to think of it, uh, you know, like the videos are about biohacking and, you know, optimizing your body and your mind and st stuff like that. 
but the videos themselves and my content, they're like uh, culture hacking of implementing or embedding these ideas into the cultural consciousness of these people so that they would actually embrace them and they would adopt them into their lives. Because if the knowledge, they, you can tell everyone to do whatever you want, but if they're not going to apply it, then it's of no use. You have to make sure as a teacher, as, a, as, as someone who is spreading some ideas, you have to kind of take ownership over the fact that if you want the others to learn, then you have to teach them well as well. You have to teach them in this way where they can, they can uh, uh, digest it more easily. So yeah, it's, it's like culture hacking. <laughs> well, it's working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's working to some degree, yeah. But uh, let's talk about your fitness journey, like your, your uh, exploration with your body. Mm. Okay, so... I started, um, I, I've been very into athletics since I was very young. So I, I started karate when I was five years old. Um, I continued doing karate for the next, you know, seven years until I was about 12 years old. And then from 12 to 18, I, I, did, I did track and field. I did lots of athletics, but I was actually heavily involved in the sport of arm wrestling. Hmm. So actually competitive arm wrestling, going to tournaments, training for it, um, it it's actually actually more popular in Eastern Europe and it's more popular in Europe in general. Um, but this is an actual competitive sport where you go to tournaments, there are rules and regulations and you can get owls and false start, all this kind of stuff. So most people don't even know that's a thing. Um, so I was involved in arm wrestling from about 12 to 18. And then after that, after I had an elbow issues, I kind of gave up on that and I just started to pursue powerlifting. So I was mainly doing powerlifting and mixing in some calisthenics, some typical bodybuilding isolation exercises. Um, and I've, I've been weight training more or less since I was about 12 years old. So I started with calisthenics when I was 12, and then I progressed into more different gym exercises. Um, so the, the fitness side of things has come mainly to me uh, since I was younger. Um, it, it's never been something that I had to struggle with or to struggle to get myself into shape. I've always had a good of lean muscle mass um, but the one thing that was very difficult was diet diet took me oh my gosh and I mean I'm, I'm still researching this you know I'm still going down the wormhole and trying to learn as much as I can but I, I pretty much started on my mother's diet which was it's a very Caribbean diet lots of white rice lots of beef and chicken and curries um, so my mom's from Guyana in South America and they're heavily influenced by Indian food as well as Caribbean food um, so it was pretty much eating tons of white rice and protein and potatoes. So super high carb, high protein, high fat. <laughs> so pretty much high every macro of, um, and extremely spicy. Wow. So that, that was fine when I was young because I was very insulin sensitive, extremely active, constantly doing sports. You know, I never had any fat on me and I was rail thin, but it was when I went to high school and I started eating what I wanted to eat which is pretty much a standard American diet, tons of junk, um, vegetable oils and processed foods, lots of refined carbohydrates, lower in protein, lower in fat. Well, probably not lower in fat, um, but all the bad fats. And I was eating that and I started to have a lot of health issues, a lot of gut issues, terrible skin, um, really bad sleep, constant fatigue and lethargy. So, and, and a huge lack of focus too. This was, this was really, really bad because I needed to study for you know, exams and whatnot. So I had a lot of lack of focus. So when I went into college, I said, okay, now I'm in college and I'm going to get my own job and I'm going to be able to provide my own food. So I need to find the healthiest diet possible. So like a lot of other people, you know, in 2013, 2014, I decided that a vegan diet was as good as it gets. That is the healthiest diet. I read Healthy at 100. I read Forks Over Knives. I sent the documentary to a million people. I was reading everything from Dr. Esselstein and Dr. Michael Greger, who I thought was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I, I loved him. Um, nutritionfacts.org. I was reading the China study. Um, anything you could get your hands on that was, you know, vegan, whole foods, plant-based, I was reading that. So my diet consisted of whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, vegetables, legumes, um, starchy carbohydrates, um, tons of fiber. All of your typical superfoods, so goji berries and flax seeds and matcha green tea and hibiscus tea and 
Um, let's see what else. I, I used to make these massive vegetable smoothies where I would pretty much throw everything in there. And the amount of prebiotics I was getting was probably insane. Um, <laughs> so I was doing that diet for about four years and I did experience some positive health benefits. So I lost weight, um, my skin cleared up, and that doesn't surprise me because I was now eating a whole foods diet. So that's much better than a standard American diet and I made some definite improvements. What I didn't like was I still lacked focus, I was constantly hungry every two hours, and I didn't have the exact body composition I wanted. So I had lost some muscle mass and I wasn't dropping body fat. So I wasn't ripped. I was kind of getting that like skinny fat vegan look. Mm. And especially as I was starting to think about acting, I was thinking that's not the kind of physique I want to have. Um, and I, I just could not figure out how to get it. So I started just busting my butt in the gym. I was working out as hard as I could lifting heavy. I was going back to, you know, heavy compound exercises, supplementing lots of protein, and I was starting to get better body composition, but I was starving, you know, trying to hit deficits. And hitting deficits as a vegan is a great way to starve yourself and to screw up your leptin and your ghrelin and all of your satiety hormones. Um, so it was really bad. And then I started having these binging cycles where I couldn't keep up with the cut. So I would just go crazy on the weekends. So it was really bad. It was one season into Power Rangers. We had finished the first season. And I was in terrible shape. Whenever I watch season 24, I always think, God, I can't believe I was on camera. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was in terrible shape. And I went back home and I had three weeks hiatus before the next season. Go back and film the next season in three weeks. And I said, I got to figure this thing out. So I started searching, how do I get lean and ripped and shredded without having to count calories, without being hungry all the time? Um, with having lots of satiety, lots of energy and focus. And I started seeing videos about the keto diet and about cutting carbohydrates, increasing your fat. Um, and I, I thought that was crazy. I thought it was ridiculous. But the more I read into it, there was so much science backing it. And, you know, I was, I was starting to look into uh, Gary Taubes. I was starting to look into a lot of the different doctors at the scene and the books that I think most keto people read. Um, so I was looking into that. I thought Mark Sisson was great as well. I, I really like Mark Sisson's information. So, so I decided to adopt, I, I went hardcore with this. So I completely cut out vegan food and it was literally overnight. I said, I'm going to do one meal a day. I'm going to fast throughout the day. And then at night, I'm only going to eat, um, some organic leafy greens, some cruciferous vegetables, um, some protein, and then maybe a small amount of low sugar fruit, like some berries and, you know, drench it in some different sort of fat. So maybe some grass fed butter, maybe some olive oil, coconut oil, something like that. Mm. So one meal a day and just eating those things. And I dropped about 10 pounds in one week. Now, obviously a lot of it was water weight. Um, you know, so that my kid, you know, I was probably spilling out tons of water and electrolytes, but I also continued to lose weight. So I was dropping fat. And the other thing I noticed was that my gym performance was fantastic. Now, I, I had read up enough where I was consuming bone broth and I was also using my Himalayan pink salt. I was trying to pay attention to electrolytes, but it was such a huge shift and I lost the weight so easily and so quickly um, that I thought like I found the holy grail. This is, this, this is the best thing ever. So I continued doing that and when I went back to shoot the next season, um, you know, the makeup people, the costume people had to like refit some of my costumes because things weren't fitting correctly anymore. And I thought it was fantastic. So that was what really sold me on the keto diet. It was for essentially superficial reasons. It helped me look better. It helped feel better. Um, and now I'm starting to get more into a lot of the more therapeutic benefits of it. But that was sort of my diet journey. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty that's yeah that's that's like a huge uh, that's a perfect example of a hero's journey in the sense of actually facing these different challenges and uh, going on a huge adventure so that's kind of cool yeah, to kind of see this kind of transformation so but would you say that would it would you think feel that it's possible to eat a vegan diet and uh, still let's say stay healthy for the rest of your life um i i guess it depends on how you define healthy 
I, I do think a vegan diet, if we're going by a standard definition of healthy, you know, as compared to the general population, absolutely. There are tons of studies on longevity and blue zones and people being completely healthy, you know, well into their 90s on heavily plant-based diets. You know, the research is there. People can absolutely be healthy if it is a whole foods plant-based diet, um, you know, if they're consuming adequate calories. And also, I think there are some other non-dietary factors that influence, the, you know, their longevity. So, um, you know, constant movement throughout the day, not living a sedentary life. Um, you know, sort of the circumstances in which they eat their food uh, amongst communities. So I think that those are all factors that play into it. But yes, I do think you can be healthy on a vegan diet. Now, do I think it's optimal? I don't necessarily think it's optimal. Um, so a lot of vegans will begin to point to IGF-1 or they'll talk about, um, you know, constant insulin spikes with meat. Um, and, and a lot of the different, you know, carcinogenic components that presumably come with eating meat, but, you know, elevated bun, for example. But I, I think that if you're doing it properly, so if you're keeping your insulin and all of those, um, basically that fed state pulsatile, so if you're not constantly eating throughout the day, if you're not doing the whole bodybuilder five meals a day thing, and if your meat is properly raised and properly sourced, um, especially if you could do locally, and then you're also paying attention to fatty acid profiles and omega-3s, and especially if you're incorporating the, the whole animal, you know? So <laughs> ancestrally, why would we ever just eat muscle meat? It doesn't make sense. And I think typically they would feed that to their dogs, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the organ meats would come first, and the fattier parts of the animal would come first. So if you can incorporate more of an ancestral approach towards eating animals, then I, it's hard for me to think that that's unhealthy. If that's the way that, you know, we, we spent so much of our evolution and it led to so much brain growth, um, I, I can't really say that that would be an unhealthy way to eat. But that's just a subjective opinion. I think that there's a lot more science to come out in that. Um, long story short, yes, you can be healthy eating vegan. I think I was relatively healthy, but I just wasn't happy with my body composition or my, my mental focus. Okay. Yeah, like um, one, one of the main points that vegans do tend to point out is that meat is going to give you cancer or meat is going to age you faster and you're going to die sooner well the th thing is that the mechanism by which protein and meat may you know accelerate aging is like through the pathway of mTOR and uh, the truth is that insulin and carbohydrates can also elevate mTOR it's not just amino acids from protein and you know arguably if you were to eat like a high carbohydrate diet, you're going to have higher levels of insulin all the time throughout the entire day. Basically, you're not, you're not going to be able to fast for that longer either. And uh, if you're eating a keto diet, then you're naturally going to be eating less frequently probably because you're not that hungry and your insulin levels are also lower. So it's not going to spike your insulin that much and you're going to be in a state of low mTOR for the majority of the day as well. And also like uh, the, the work of uh, Dr. Ben Bickman has also shown that uh, like protein isn't going to spike insulin if you're eating at a low carbohydrate diet, basically. In someone eating a standard American diet, which is, of course, carb heavy, there is a, a massive increase in insulin, where insulin goes up several times um, over baseline. Even over when eating, they were just eating a pure carbohydrate source. The adding protein to that then sends it up even further. So it is amplifying the inherent insulinogenic capacity of the carbohydrate. In contrast, in the instance of a low-carb-fed individual, because we need to have the, uh, the liver making glucose via gluconeogenesis, we can't afford to have insulin spiking so high because that would absolutely clamp down on gluconeogenesis. And thus, as the evidence suggests in humans, we in fact don't see that expected rise that we do see in insulin with the carb-fed individual. We see no such effect in the low-carb fed person to the point that there is in fact no response. It, it ends up being fairly neutral with regards to the endocrine response, which a lot of people don't appreciate. We look at the textbook version saying these amino acids are insulinogenic, and yet that's in this overwhelmingly common situation of a carbohydrate fed state, and that didn't consider the low-carb fed state. Yeah, it's absolutely going to be a different physiology, you know, where 
I think that if you're, they don't take into account that people may be doing intermittent fasting. They don't take into account, you know, most of these studies that are looking into meat eaters are, these are meat eaters that are eating carbohydrates as well, and usually lots of carbohydrates. Even supposed low carb studies, people that, the people are often eating 100 grams of carbohydrates. So there needs to be more research done people that are actually eating true ketogenic diets. Um, and not just a, I, I feel like a lot of the older studies with ketogenic diets, um, it was more of the, the therapeutic type ketogenic diet where it was, you know, geared towards epilepsy. There was a lot of drinking of oils and things like that. And they weren't necessarily paying attention to um, gut bacteria. They weren't paying attention to, you know, maybe fatty acid profiles. So there just needs to be a lot more research done on that. Um, and vegans definitely don't take into account things like intermittent fasting, things like, you know, um, basically allowing that body the time for insulin levels to come down to go into a fasted state. Yeah. So there's a lot more that needs to be considered. There are many variables that they're not considering, and they're studying populations that aren't necessarily representative of low carbohydrate or ketogenic uh, people. So, Yeah, totally agree with you. Like intermittent fasting is actually one of the most important things of any diet, of whatever diet you're doing, to actually go through periods of not eating and to to allow your body to recycle its own worn out materials. And the fasting aspect of it is, is going to be like the most critical, critical thing of, that's going to support longevity and uh, anti-aging, not, not the specific macronutrients of what you eat and, uh, and you know, how much. Yeah, I, I actually used to do intermittent fasting um, when I was doing a whole foods plant-based diet. And I can tell you it's extremely difficult. <laughs> um, as if, you know, if you're not adapted, if you don't, if your mitochondria aren't, you know, efficient at burning fat and you're not ready for that, um, man, as soon as that liver glycogen goes and your blood sugar is low, oh my goodness, that's hard. And, and you immediately want to grab, you know, a huge bowl of oatmeal or apples or whatnot. And I would pretty much use coffee to just force my body through the fast which obviously is not a great idea. My cortisol was probably sky high all day. Um, but yeah, I would try to do like a 16-8 type, you know, intermittent fasting protocol, which nowadays is like a joke for me. Like I can easily go two days without eating. Um, I, I typically do like a 24-hour fast every day and I'll do like one meal a day. And it's, it's completely easy. It, it doesn't really take any effort anymore. Doing that as a vegan Oh my goodness, that's, that's pretty rough. And you also tend to lose a lot of muscle mass too. Like we all know that ketosis is muscle sparing. Um, but if you're doing that as a vegan and you, you're not currently running in, in fat metabolism in ketosis, you're going to lose a lot of muscle as well. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely not ideal for someone doing like a TV show where you have to be physically fit all the time, basically. Do you have like any specific uh, condition you have to be based on your contract? Do, can you become the red fat power ranger if you want to? <laughs> you can become the red fat power ranger after the show's done. Then you can go to the conventions and you can put on as much weight as you want. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. A lot of the fans, they're impressed that myself and, you know, a lot of the different power rangers in our season are going to stay in good shape. We're actually in better shape than when we did the show um, mm. because a lot of, I, I don't want to talk bad about nobody, but a lot of the older Power Rangers kind of let it slide. Um, so, but so contractually, it was interesting. Contractually, we actually were not supposed to deviate five pounds above or five pounds below what we were hired at, okay. which I definitely did. I definitely, you know, in the first season, I probably gained a good 15 pounds. And then in the second season, I probably lost a good 15 pounds. So I probably came in at about... 150 and then went up to 165 in season one and then by the time i was you know doing season two i was in the low 140s so um i, I broke that aspect of the contract but nobody said anything so it's all <laughs> well, right. you, you probably you know got more jacked and uh, you, you you got built some muscle in the sense so that they were like okay we'll deal with it or we'll accept it it's good enough <laughs> <laughs> they weren't gonna complain yeah, the, yeah. people they um you know we all know with body comp position when you drop body fat even if you don't have that much muscle you're gonna look a lot more muscular if you get the vascularity out if you have you know the the shoulders and and if you're kind of going for that v-shaped frame you look a lot more muscular simply by getting into 
you know, the single digit body fat. So I was most likely in, pro I was probably seven to 8% um, throughout that second season. And a lot of them thought I was more muscular, but the thing is I, I had dropped a bunch of fat and a bunch of water weight. So um, that definitely helped. And it just, it helps so much in so many different ways because, you know, when you're on set there, you can't have all of your meals prepared. Like I didn't have time for meal prepping um, and catering isn't always going to make the perfect vegan meals or anything like that. So going on a ketogenic diet, it was so easy to fast all day. I had no trouble with that. You know, just eating lunch and dinner. That was completely easy. I was able to focus on what I was doing. So that helped out in so many different ways. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a huge point I want to point out is that, you know, the, you hear a lot of these Hollywood actors from movies, they're talking about, oh, I have to starve myself for this movie role to get like into a lean physique. I have to eat like four meals a day of chicken breast and broccoli all the time. And, uh, you know, honestly, most of them aren't looking that good anyway. Like they're not bodybuilders or physique athletes and they don't look that impressive compared to the amount of effort that they're putting in and i'm always thinking like okay it doesn't have to be that difficult it doesn't have to be that you know you don't have to suffer you can achieve what you you, you can achieve a better body composition and maintain your sanity by doing a much more better approach by you know implementing some intermittent fasting into it or readjusting your diet in in some way so i was constantly hungry and yeah. i had to either eat every three hours which meant that I spent the entire day thinking about food? Yeah, most of the Hollywood trainers, they might think they're doing a ketogenic diet, but usually, you know, it's super low in fat and it's just a bunch of protein. And then they're, they're implementing, you know, sweet potatoes with it and things like that. And it's, it's not even close to ketogenic, but, and, and they're definitely pushing their body so hard with this stuff. Yeah, it's always the four meals a day, five meals a day. So they're always eating just enough, but they're constantly hungry throughout the day. And they all talk about how much, you know, like preparing for a role is torture. And as soon as they're done with the movie, then like with Gerard Butler in 300, they balloon up to, you know, some other weight. So it's, it's just not sustainable. Um, and I think that people, people are slowly going to learn more about this with ketogenic diets and intermittent fasting. And even with smarter weight training too. Um, they definitely overtrain themselves for these roles. You can definitely scale back on the training and figure out what the minimal effective dose is, and then just focus on those things. Um, and then just spend the rest of your time learning your line or something. You know, it's, it's easier than they make it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I think like one of the best examples of someone who is doing something right is uh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman, who when he prepared for Wolverine, and like he does like, he does the compound lifts, he does the intermittent fasting, and uh, he's actually uh, in the best he's probably the best one of the in the best shapes of from those Hollywood actors as well. So he's doing something right. I eat for eight hours and I fast for 16. I, he, I wonder if he's self educated with that kind of stuff. Um, Cause I'm, I'm trying to figure out what strength and diet, you know, coach would have actually advised him on that. Hmm. I feel like he's probably self educated with that stuff. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's, he's quite old as well. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but what, what does the average day of uh, filming look like in terms of fitness? Like how much do you actually work out at the film set? So for me, I, I used to do like the whole, uh, I thought I was like the rock. So I would get up at like three in the morning because um, we would get picked up at five in the morning to head to set. And then you go into makeup, then you go into costume and they have breakfast ready. And then you go on set and we're pretty much on set working um until about it, it would vary but usually about 6 p.m 6 7 p.m um so so they were pretty long days most work days were about 12 sometimes even 14 hours um so what i would do is i knew that at the end of that shooting day i did not want to go to the gym my will power reserves were, were completely depleted um and i was going to skip so what i would try to do is get up at three in the morning and go work out i would head to the gym it was usually you know, pound lifts, lifting heavy, um, reverse pyramid training, things like that. And then I would also include occasionally some either high intensity interval training or some cardio, something like that. Um, but see, the issue with that, if I went back, I would probably just do calisthenics because the issue with that was I was getting up so early that I was constantly sleep deprived. Um, so I probably averaged five to six 
hours of sleep a night, which we all know elevated cortisol is going to lead to, you know, increased body fat and well, so many things beyond just that, but sleep deprivation has a whole host of effects on the body. Um, so it was definitely screwing me up in quite a few ways and I'm sure my adrenals were shot. So nowadays, if I look back on it, I would probably have just taken 15 minutes during my lunch break and just done some pull-ups to failure, push-ups to failure, maybe jump squats or sprints or something, something very, very simple. Um, and I think I would have actually gotten fantastic results from doing that and sleeping more. Um, I, I personally don't know how The Rock does that. He might be on a pretty nice chemical cocktail. I have no idea. But how he's able to maintain his sanity with very little sleep and getting up at 3 a.m. every morning and working out for you know, however long, um, I'm not sure how that's done on a natural body. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't even need to work out that hard and work out that much to maintain a good physique. You know, like uh, you can maintain a very a decent amount of strength by simply doing, or sim you need to simply stimulate the muscle in some shape or form, like uh, at least every, every day or something, then you're going to be basically very fine. And if you do go to the gym at weekends, then you're going to carry over that elevated signal of uh, muscle adaptation throughout the entire week as well. So yeah, definitely, definitely sleep is much more <laughs> valuable in the sense. I've learned that the hard way, man. I've definitely burned out quite a few times. Um, and then, you know, on the weekend, suddenly sleeping 14 hours or 17 hours. It's yeah. not good. It's definitely not good. And I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Yeah. And especially you have, it's, it's good to kind of, burn out and fail when you're young when you're uh, rather than doing it later yeah. when you're old when it's it's gonna have a much more negative effect because when, when we're young we kind of can get away with a lot of things like we can get away with carbs we can get away with sleep deprivation we can get away with alcohol and uh, you know it's it's almost like a get out of jail free card but it's eventually gonna catch up on us yeah yeah we can definitely bounce back when we're still young another thing i wish i knew about back when i was you know pushing myself way too hard back then was I wish I knew more about organ meats and I wish I knew about, you know, the power of bone broth and especially grass fed beef liver. Um, had I known about that, I think it would have helped my body so much with all the different B vitamins and, you know, all of the different nutrients you're getting from beef liver. Um, it's only now that I've started to explore that stuff, but I think that would have helped a lot in terms of energy, even satiety. Um, I find that I'm a lot more satiated if I'm eating beef liver. So Mm. Yep, but we live to learn. <laughs> exactly, like liver is, uh, in my opinion, it is like one of the most top superfoods of the planet, and it's so packed with so many nutrients and uh, minerals, and it's definitely something that you have to, or you you would want to include into your diet at least every. I, I try to consume like once or twice a week of trying to eat some organ meats, and uh, definitely something very well worth it. What's your what's yeah, your what what's your diet at the moment then? So, so my diet at the moment, I'm still doing about 24 hour fasts most days. Occasionally, I'll do two meals a day, but generally I don't. And my diet usually focuses on so I'll do grass fed beef, pasture raised eggs. I like to do some wild caught fish, um, and I, I like to include all of those proteins in one meal just to get like a complete nutrient profile. Um, I don't do too many vegetables anymore. I used to do a lot of leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables. Nowadays, if I do vegetable, vegetables like a kimchi or sauerkraut, and uh, I'll also include occasionally some low sugar fruit. So maybe some berries or some avocados or you know maybe like half of a grapefruit. But generally, I don't do too many vegetables anymore. I've just found that my body feels better without all of that fiber inside of me. I just feel better in general. Um, and then a couple times a week, I'll include beef liver. Occasionally, I'll supplement with some cod liver oil. Uh, um, I, I definitely season my foods with a lot of different herbs and spices. I use Himalayan pink salt. Um, let's see what else. I, I don't do enough bone broth anymore. I have these, um, it's like these bone marrow tablets that I get from this company, Ancestral Supplements. So they have some great, you know, desiccated beef liver tablets yeah. and bone marrow tablets. So I I'm take those, but I'm not drinking bone broth as regularly. Yeah, I'm, using that? I'm using that brand as well. Like on days when I'm not eating organ meats, I'm taking these, uh, these uh, tablets. Yeah. And they're, they're amazing. Like no, they, super, super nutritious. 
fantastic quality um, sourced from New Zealand, like great animals. So I definitely like their products. Let's see if there's anything else in my diet. That's generally the gist of it. I, I definitely do not count calories more. I, I eat as much as I want. Um, and one thing that I've been experimenting with recently that I've really liked is, it's funny, it's such a controversial topic in the whole keto community, but I've been increasing my protein and sort of moderating my fat levels. So I'm basically eating no added fats, but whole food fats, like what, what's already found in my beef, what's already in my fish and in my eggs. And I'm not adding too much fat on top of that. And I've increased my protein. Um, so eating more beef, more fish, more eggs. And I've actually found um, some really good changes in my body composition where it, it looks like I'm putting on more muscle. I think what it might actually be is I'm probably, I probably have more muscle glycogen from gluconeogenesis. So I might be a little more filled out. Um, and it, it looks to me as if I'm dropping body fat by decreasing my, my fat levels in my diet a little bit. Um, so it's, it's kind of like the typical Ted Naiman idea that I'm, that I'm implementing where it's like targeting protein, you know, scaling the fat back a little bit. And then you're going naturally for, my carbs are very low. You're going for the one-to-one -one ratio of protein to fat then, right? That's actually just about exactly exactly what I do. It's probably one to one. If I had to guess, I'd probably be at like probably about 150 to 160 protein and same with fat. So mm -hmm. I mean, this is still a high fat diet. Um, and if we had to look at the macro ratios, you know, it's probably 70% fat because of, you know, the, the nutrient yeah. or the uh, caloric density of fat. So it's still a very high fat diet. But for me, eating too much fat I do seem to retain some body fat. It's usually like the, the lower abs that we all want. That's, that's gone <laughs> if I eat too much fat. So um, I, I can always tell because there's this vein on my lower abs. And if the vein is there, I'm lean. If the yeah. vein's not there, a, yeah, it's, it's always like a, get up into that 10% body fat. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of, it's a good guesstimate or a good point to always notice that when you feel the vein, vein then you can, you're at a good position, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Never mind a DEXA scanner at Bod Pod. You just look for the, that vein and you're set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, like uh, any 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 future plans for some new roles after the Power Rangers in Hollywood or something? Yeah. So um, next year, I have two films coming out next year. I I currently can't talk about them yet. I'm not able to like market them yet. Um, but there are two films that I'm in coming out next year. One is a starring role, and then the other is more of like a supporting role. So that's exciting. And I'm, I'm really trying to get more into action-adventure roles. I really like that genre, and I would like to stay in it. I'm not necessarily the guy that's like, you know, crying on camera or playing like a crack dealer or something like that. I'm not super into the whole method, you know, change my entire lifestyle for a role. Um, so I, I love action adventure roles, um, things where I'm able to use charisma and physicality and um, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm continuing to work in that area. Um, I'm also getting more involved with the whole fitness and nutrition community and not necessarily the whole like typical fitness and nutrition community, but I really love um, everything on with the ketogenic community, with the low carb community. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to get more involved with that. I recently spoke at KetoCon and that was pretty much talking about my transition from vegan to more of a carnivorous ketogenic diet. Um, so yeah, th those are some of the kind of things that I'm working on currently. Mm. Is it, is it the next Avengers movie? <laughs> I wish man, that would be fantastic. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like what, what kind of, you said you, you're, you know, uh, trying to motivate people as well and inspire them through fitness and uh, empowerment as well. So what kind of a change do you want to make in the mindset of the American people? What, what I think that most Americans could implement into their lives are basic, simple lifestyle changes incorporated mainly around biohacking. So I think that most Americans could include fasting windows. They could drop refined carbohydrates. They could start to eat more quality protein and quality fats, um, vegetables in the diet. So I think a dietary change would also be great. But I also think some of the, the things that 
you know, less of them do like, like cold exposure or like using a sauna or, um, you know, sleep quality, you know, reducing blue lights before they sleep. All of these things have such a profound effect on your health and it's like a domino effect. And as soon as you knock one down, so many other things in your life line up and you just feel a lot better. So that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about, you know, Americans changing and I'm absolutely working towards that. And that's something that I, th I think it's very doable. The information just needs to get out there. Mm -hmm. Beyond just that, I think that the majority of just people in general don't live goal-oriented lives. Most people, you know, attempting to kind of to survive. So as long as I can pay my bills, as long as I have a job, et cetera, and they're, they're sort of subsisting on a basic maintenance level. But... I think that if you're aiming for maintenance, you're probably going to fall short of that. And I think that a goal-oriented life, it, it just has such a profound effect on your quality of life. And there are also studies that show that a lot of people that as soon as they retire, within five years, there's usually dramatic uh, decreases in their health. And they start to experience a lot of, you know, the typical leading causes of um, disease. So I think that promoting more of a goal-oriented life is also something I'm passionate about. Recently, I went to um, Colorado State University where I gave a keynote talk on goal setting, career development, and professional growth. And the crux of the talk was how did someone with zero acting experience who was studying economics completely change their career in one year? Um, and that's what I was trying to impart to them is the power of goal setting. Most people just, they don't believe that, that they can actually achieve these things, but if you have that vision, if you're able to structure your goals correctly, and then the most important thing is if you're actually able to every single day execute on that, mm. if you're able to do the work. One thing where I think a lot of people that are involved in metaphysical thinking and you know, law of attraction and things like that, they, they don't think enough about the work. There's a lot of work you have to get done, and you have to take action towards these things. Um, I don't understand how people believe that you can maybe envision something and do nothing and it's supposed to come to you. I just don't understand that, that sort of thinking. Um, so the strategy that I try to impart to people is find out what's really in your heart, envision that goal, write it down. It's very important to write these goals down. And whether that's yearly, monthly, weekly, daily goals, um, even life goals, you have to write these down. And then from there, around every single goal, make a game plan, and then execute on that stuff every single day. So um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much what I tell people when I go. Yeah, it's true. Like, uh, I like to call it the law of subconscious attraction and conscious action of you have to actually start off from the basis of subconsciously believing them and setting those goals, and then taking uh, massive action all the time to actually make them happen. You know, because nothing happens, you know, itself, you know, there's, there's your, your thoughts and emotions your, or your goals, they need to be backed up by, you know, massive action. So definitely something we should all keep in mind. <laughs> and we do need both sides of that. You know, it's, it's not enough to just work hard because there are plenty of people that work hard, but they don't seem to achieve very much and they're kind of spinning their wheels. And it, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't have clearly defined goals or they don't actually believe that they can achieve them, so they never even end up taking the steps necessary to start moving towards those. So you're completely right. It, it, I like that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Like, and also, yeah, working smarter is another critical component for maintaining your health at the same time and not burning yeah. out like uh, you probably experienced in your own uh, journey. Yes, yes. You, while you're working harder, you also have to be looking at the machine itself and are you taking care of that? You know, because your physical health is a huge limiting factor towards your productivity. And if you're not taking care of your physical health, you know, how are you expecting to have energy all day or to have mental focus all day? Or even your physical health affects your motivation, you know, because motivation and focus and all of these things, they're all, you know, these are all chemical reactions going on in our body. And if you're not giving your body, you know, the raw materials it needs to create those feelings, you know, and to give you that focus throughout the day, to give you that energy, you're, you're just stunting your own growth. You're making yourself less productive. So I think that's one of the most powerful things about the biohacking movement is that we are enhancing our capabilities. We're increasing our capacity for work and the ability to contribute. 
And I think it's almost like an unfair advantage because most people, I think, in the, in the business world don't know about a lot of this stuff. They're subsisting on coffee and, and carbohydrates throughout the day, um, and they're getting terrible quality sleep, and they're getting burned out. Um, and, and it's just the amount of willpower that takes. That's probably why they don't have the energy or the, uh, the motivation to set goals because they're, they're struggling just to get through the day. And, you know, as soon as they get home, they plop on the couch and turn on the TV. So um, that's what's powerful about the work that you're doing and about the work that I'm beginning to do. Um, this stuff can change a lot of people's lives. Yeah, definitely. I like to say that uh, your mind is only as clear as your body. And uh, it literally means that your physiology is going to determine your psychology and your your, your, the state of your consciousness as well and literally what you put into your mouth is going to have a compounding effect on everything else you do as well and it's going to appear in other areas of life as well absolutely i completely agree with that yeah so yeah yeah definitely you're, you're probably you're definitely doing like the right thing in your own journey and i see you're heading in the right direction so where can people learn more about you um so i have have on my Instagram is that's kind of where I'm most active. So that would be at William Schufelt. So William and S H E W F E L T. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Will Schufelt, W I L L S H E W F E L T. Um, so those are the two platforms that I'm basically most active on. My Instagram is more of fitness lifestyle stuff. Um, yeah, just, I, I kind of have fun with that. I enjoy that. And then my YouTube content, workout vlogs, um, starting to talk more about nutrition, things like that. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. People should subscribe and we'll leave all the links to the show notes as well. And uh, I'm going to ask my last question, which is uh, what would be this one piece of advice or habit that you wish you had adopted sooner that empowered your body and your mind? Oh man, I have to stick with one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if I had to narrow it down to one, I'll probably sound like a broken record, but simply planning out my life had such a massive impact on, on every aspect of my life. You know, I, I would not have gotten healthier had I not set goals for myself to get healthier, which then caused me to do the research, which then caused me to experiment with diets, you know, and then eventually come upon the ketogenic diet and the lifestyle that I'm now living. That all was a result of goal setting. So I think having the goals and having the vision, that's probably the most important thing in my mind. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw one more in there. And I think that reading books is extremely powerful. Um, I, I like to think if somebody uh, is 70 years old and they write a book, they're including their 70 years of life experience in that book. And the more books you read, you could be accumulating 25 years here, 50 years there, you know, 70 years of this person's life experience. And you're, you're basically reducing a lot of iterations of failure in your own life. And you're just being able to start from a much higher um, level of thinking. So I think that reading is very, very powerful as well. And it also relates back to the concept of like who you associate with, um, you know, creating your own mentality. So if, if you're not associating with billionaires, you might as well read their books, um, you know. So read the books of the kind of people that you would want to be around so you, you can at least get your mentality um, closer to theirs. But, yeah, I think reading would be huge and goal setting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely one of the, one of the key components uh, that I attribute to in my own personal journey as well of exposing myself to different ideas that challenge me and uh, give me the knowledge of uh, learning from the mistakes of others and not having to fail them myself. So like you, you and I were so young and uh, I think that that's one of the key components to why we have made such realizations so young. So it's definitely an amazing thing. Absolutely. A lot of it had to do with reading. Completely. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, definitely it's been a pleasure talking to you, Will, and I'm definitely looking forward to your future movies, your future Hollywood uh, stardom, and uh, <laughs> we we'll, would like to stay in touch with you in the future as well. Absolutely. It was a huge pleasure talking to you. Um, I love your YouTube videos. They're entertaining. They're extremely informative, and I've learned a lot from them. So keep up the great work and definitely plan to stay in touch.
that's it for this episode of the Body, Mind and Power podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on the iTunes or the other social media platforms. Definitely check out the show notes for the topics that we discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. My name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.